Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That may thy kingdom come, Father. May thy will be done on earth, even as you have desired, even as you have willed it, even as you have planned it to be in heaven. Lord, we pray this morning that your mercies, your love will be renewed in our lives, will be made evident in the things we do, the things we say, the places we go, the thoughts we entertain. Please renew us and make us more like you through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. This is still training for impact. We are still looking at the team, those who dare, as we journey through the book of Daniel, as we glimpse the prophetical lessons and the stories, the, the practical lessons that can help us moving forward in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we saw, we ended yesterday by saying that while a larger number of those who followed William Miller walked away sorrowfully after the disappointment in 1844, a, a little group of them, a little remnant, dared to trust God once again. They dared to go back to the Bible. They dared to study and they discovered indeed that Daniel chapter 8 it was neither the sanctuary, the earth or the earthly sanctuary, rather that he referred to the heavenly sanctuary where Christ was ministering as the high priest. And so the, this little group that survived, um, they, began, they began an intense Bible study and they, they slowly rise into becoming the Seventh-day Adventist church as we know it today, a name that they took in in 1860 and was organized in 1863. And as a result of their intense Bible study and divine guidance that God gave through um, the ministry of Ellen White, one of its, its, its major prophets, the Seventh-day Adventist church has the best and the strongest understanding of the sanctuary message amongst all Christian denominations. And this is not a boastful claim. This is actually factual and not just factual, but it signifies a sense of responsibility that falls, that behoves on the Seventh-day Adventist denomination to share this, um, this understanding of the sanctuary message to other Christian denominations. The mission of the Seventh-day Adventist church um, is derived from the circumstances that surrounded its emergence, okay? When God raised it up, it's not traced to any single or human founder. It was God who ordained it. And one of his mission is to undo what the little horn power has done to God's plan of salvation through Christ and his ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. So one of the main mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is to restore in, in a way, the sanctuary of the priest of hosts, in that God, why Jesus Christ is in the heavenly place um, making intercession for us through his church, he is undoing what the little horn power has done by you know bringing a correct understanding of what the bible says and pushing the focus from man to god so the papal system is taking away man's focus from god but the seventh-day adventist denomination and movement is pointing man's attention back to the most high god when we read daniel chapter 8 verse 13 and 14 you see that at the end of 2300 year prophecy the sanctuary of the prince of hosts will be restored will be cleansed 
and because of the effect of to redeem the effect of little horn power and the, the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church comes right after the 2300 day um, or year prophecy in that it comes with a divine mandate to restore, to cleanse, the, to undo all of the harms, all of the, the um, all of the, what was the word that was used earlier to to undo the attention focus that has been drifted away from God. The enemy tries to obscure the mission of God's end time people, the little one, and its um, minions try to obscure the ministry, the heavenly ministry of Jesus Christ. But the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been given a divine mandate to point minds back to the ministry of Jesus Christ to speak of the investigative judgment that is going on right now as God is moving upon hearts, searching us, recording all of our hearts, not for himself because God is all wise and all knowing, but that it may show to all the entire universe how just indeed he is by bringing to bear the records of the things that we do, the things we say, even the thoughts of our hearts. and you know, weighing the pros and the cons and noticing and recognizing those who live their life daily in surrender to the Most High God. So we look again in contrast that the little horn power took away and obscured the heavenly sanctuary from the people of God on it by substituting it with its own sanctuary, its own priesthood, its own ministries, it's only true we saw through the daily mass, the confession to priests, the penance in order to obtain forgiveness, forgiveness, the claiming to have power to forgive sins, the veneration of Mary as co-mediator with God, infant baptism, purgatory, and so many false teachings that are not biblically sound. All of these were diverting and are still diverting the attention of the people on earth from what Christ is doing on their behalf in the holy sanctuary and this papa priesthood is doing it against the most high God now so it makes it imperative that Christ's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary which has been eclipsed by the papal priesthood for more than a thousand years should be restored to the people of God. Their, their focus should be brought back to God and this is the very mission of the end time remnant people of God raised indeed after 1844. Now this is a very significant message because some persons even among the Adventists do not understand that the 2300 year prophecy is, is very significant because it doesn't just point to the ministry of Jesus Christ in heaven above, but it also points to the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth through the Seventh day Adventist denomination, through these remnant people that would rise through a prophetical mandate, as we also see in Revelation after their bitter sweet experience to point the heart of men back to the father just like you know there was this coming of the spirit of elijah before the first coming of jesus christ to point the heart of the father down to the to the and the son to god and just like john the baptist was the forerunner of jesus christ so also the seventh day adventist denomination has a divine mandate to be the forerunner of jesus christ prior to his second coming of Jesus, prior to his second coming rather, 
to point the hearts of men and women back to God for the little horn power and all of his agency have done all and are still doing all to point men away from God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Therefore, God raised his end-time remnant people, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He gives us a divine mandate, not as a thing of pride, but as a sense of responsibility to restore what the little one power has taken away, and that is the efficacy of Christ's ministry in the most holy place, and that each of the believers in Christ has a direct and unrestricted access to Christ Jesus. Uh, under this uh, dispensation as we read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 and that we are to share the message to the world that there is a permanent priesthood and that priesthood exists only and through Jesus Christ who is able to save us to the uttermost completely as we see in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 to 25. So it is not surprising that the Seventh-day Adventist denomination is indeed a prophetical one and it has the most comprehensive and persuading understanding of the sanctuary message indeed in most if not all of the biblical truths because as we grow daily god reveals more to his church and the more he reveals the more the responsibility lies on all those who are believers on all those who are adventists first of all to share these messages to others so if you are an Adventist listening there is a divine mandate upon your head you cannot keep silent anymore until to after the 2300 years prophecy God commissioned his people God has commissioned this church to undo what the little horn power has done and if you but trust in the power of God you trust in his mercy he can use you to be a blessing so back to our discourse so we see that God's church have a responsibility to restore back the sanctuary system also this time in in a more figurative way to um, to the world so we look at the outer court right the lava was there signifying baptism the little horn power tried to obscure that by introducing infant baptism sprinkling and all whatnot but the God's remnant people after the 2300 year prophecy was called to restore indeed the true baptism and that is baptism by immersion the same kind of baptism that Jesus Christ himself showed us an example when he was baptized by John also at the outer court we see the altar of burnt offering where it is symbolized as the cross of Jesus Christ where he died for us once and for all and the little horn power has tried to obscure the cross of Jesus by not just um, not just taking away the focus on Jesus entirely but by claiming that they themselves can forgive sins which only Jesus can do by claiming that when they take the uh, the, the bread and the wine in the communion they are literally taking his blood which is not biblically sound because jesus said that when we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood through the holy communion it's not that we are eating it literally but we are placing him into our life and we understand that more when we go into the 
the first apartment. So we see that we are to point the church, the Seventh-day Adventist church, is to point man's mind back to the cross of Jesus as the only way by which we can be saved. Not through Mary, not through any saint or whatever, not through any priest, but through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ. So we see a restoring of the sanctuary system, the baptism system, the cross of Christ as the only focus of salvation. Unlike what the little horn power, the papacy, the Roman Catholic um, papacy system of governance that many people are adopting or have adopted today. So we see that the courtyard, this stands for the church, the place of safety, the altar, Christ's sacrifice, the lavas, baptism by mansion. Then we go into the, the holy place. We see the grace and obedience of God's commandment in the most holy place. We see the table of shoe bread, which is the word of God, which the Roman Catholic system tries to obscure by diverting people's mind away from the word of God. In fact, they, they insist that the Pope is infallible and it, the, the words of the Pope is even higher in authority. The words of the church is higher in authority to that of the word of God. How blasphemous can that be? But the Bible tells us that you know, it is the word of God that saves us, that faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that is the mandate that is given to the Seventh-day Adventist denomination and indeed to all of all true Christendom to point the hearts of men back to the body of God, to study, to show ourselves approved and to prove to rightly dividing the word of truth. And then we see the candles, the candle stand and the the candlelight as it's found in the um, first apartment signifying the Holy Spirit and we are called to point men's heart back to the Holy Spirit not to sensationalism or spiritism as it's been perpetrated and encouraged in many of Christendom today but the similarity denomination is to tell people that the Holy Spirit can still be made available to us today only as we surrender our lives to God only as we surrender our lives to God and only as we allow him to walk in us to purify us from the inside out not in a form of sensation or emotion but through a prayerful and faithful watching of his word the events of time and true prayer and communion or fellowship perhaps with um, believers with believers and then we see the grace of God and the obedience of God's command in the most holy place. You remember the cutting has been demarcated, so there is no has been taken away, so there is no demarcation anymore. In the most holy place, we see the Ark of Covenant, where we see the relationship between God and his people. We see the Ten Commandments as you know, an integral part of that relationship as a response to our obedience to him. And on top of it, we see the mercy seat where God, you know, sh shows us that his mercy is more. And also we see Aaron's staff showing God's power to lead us. And, you know, part of 
what is in the most holy place is the manna, signifying that God is able to provide for his people. Now, all of these things, God's ability to provide, God's ability to protect, God's willingness to restore his relationship and our response through obedience to his commandments, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the, the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the table of shoe bread, the intercessory nature of Jesus. These are the themes that God has called his true church to restore, to point people's mind back to because these are the very things that the devil is attacking with his minions. The bread of his presence standing for the word of God that believers must feed daily. The lampstand which burns continually signifying the Holy Spirit that must guide our lives daily. The censer with incense which stands for prayer of faith of the righteous that ascends to God continually as sweet smell fragrance which the Holy Spirit helps us making intercession for us with groanings that cannot be altered. There is no more cutting and so we have a direct access to Christ in the heavenly place, the ark with the table of stones. I have explained all of these things. And notice that when we believe in Jesus Christ and accept his death on the cross for our behalf, our repentance should be sealed with baptism by a mansion signifying the sinner's death and the barrier to sin and resurrection into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's not miss this as we find that in Romans chapter 6. Now, when we understand truly the sanctuary message, it calls us into a new relationship with Christ, into a renewed, into a restored relationship with Christ. And that should be our focus, a restored relationship through the studying of the word of God, through daily prayer, through the Holy Spirit, and through fellowship with God's people. And this, my friend, is the summary and the heart of the gospel commission as we find in Matthew chapter 28 from verse 18 to 20. Our second mission as the Seventh-day Adventist Church in connection to the restoration of the sanctuary of the Prince of Hosts is to warn and to prepare the world for God's impending judgment, you know, which already has begun as records already been taken and the, the choices we make daily, they matter in light of eternal consequences and that one day very soon God will punish evildoers and reward the righteous and this warning message is a central theme of the book of Revelation as we especially in Revelation chapter 12 from verse 1 down to Revelation chapter 20 verse 15. The judgment is not the same like the earthly judicial system. We cannot debate it. God does not necessarily need an investigation. So when we talk about investigative judgment, it's not like God needs an investigation to establish his case because he is the omniscience. He knows the things even before they are. He knows the end from the beginning. But the investigation, the word investigation is used, it's a human term. So for us to be able to relate that God doesn't just jump to conclusion. He weighs our action according to that light which has been revealed to us. He investigates just like he investigated what Adam and Eve had done in the kind of thing. It's not that he did not know, but he came and he inquired and he judges us according to our action how much of what we have surrendered of ourselves, what we have also refused to surrender. For me, I believe that's what the investigation is, the recording of our action, the things we said, the things we shouldn't have said, the things we should have said but did not see. That's what 
the angels of God are taking record so that when at the end of the day God passes out his judgment all of the earth even the sinners and the saints the hosts of heaven will say just are your ways for your judgment are righteousness for your justice for all that you have done are ye and amen because the records can show for themselves that you know we receive whatever we sow so my friend i'm going to ask you as i end this has been a long discourse today as god takes records as the angels of god take records what records are being stored about your life um, when when the books are open on the final day what to be seen in your records would they be seen as one who refused to accept the grace of god or one whom having made a lot of mistakes and indeed we have all made those mistakes having fallen a lot of times still trusted in the grace of god to pick you back up to forgive you your sins to make you a better man to make you a better woman to restore you to restore you into God's rightful place as son, as daughter of the Most High God. Would you not bow your head and invite the Holy Spirit to convict you, to help you with your addiction, to help you with your shame, with your guilt, with your disappointment, to ask for forgiveness? Ask that even as the records are being taken, that God will blot out your sins away from his records and that only the grace of Christ will be revealed, will be written, will stand in your place. Father in heaven, you say, Lord, that when you forgive us our sins, you remember them no more. I pray that our sins this morning will be forgiving us our lies, our hatred, our envy, our fornication, our lust. Lord, indeed, all that is evil and bad, please take away from us. Give us a clean slate, a clean book, and help that by your grace we will not taint your image in our lives but you will lead us unto life everlasting we pray in jesus name amen god bless you have a beautiful day